Zimbabwe Crocodile, crocodile is biting off our hand. Crocodile, crocodile, we fear him. Welcome to episode 18 of the Long Walk to Nowhere podcast. I'm Patrick de Butler, and I'm joined by author of Long Walk to Nowhere, Alan Munn. Hello, Alan. Hello, Patrick. So, Alan, um, first of all, I just wanted to give our listeners and readers of your book a very quick update to say that um, the book, we're, we're very grateful. It's just been restocked on Amazon uh, in the hardcover edition. So they've got some more copies in stock, and which means that, that we managed to deplete the previous stock. So we're very happy. And thank you to all of you who've purchased copies and continue and showing so much interest in Alan's book and story. And we also wanted to say that we were so proud of the success we've had with getting the book distributed in Australia. We now um, have been told that people have been able to buy the book and copies have been going into bookshops throughout Australia, mostly on the East Coast in Sydney, Canberra, Brisbane, Melbourne, all the big centres, and that the book is available on Booktopia, um, which I believe is one of the biggest um, distributors and bookshops in Australia. So that's all been very welcome news. And we're still working on the distribution um, for South Africa, where we know a lot of you are waiting for a really easy option to buy the book. Um, There are currently, as we discussed last time, some options to get the book in South Africa, but we're still working on getting the local distributor and we're keeping in touch with the publisher uh, at least twice a week on the subject to make sure we we get an answer and get a solution to that soon. Um, So please bear with us and thank you for all your patience to all the readers and listeners from South Africa, I know you've been quite numerous in following Alan's story. So we're very grateful to you for your continuing support and patience. Um, Alan, you sent me, so for today's podcast, I really wanted to talk about something where, which I struck a nerve, certainly with me and with a lot of people we spoke to. I think even your publisher said they thought it was a, it was a fascinating um, article. So William Hague, the foreign, uh, British Foreign Secretary, wrote a really interesting article about Afghanistan and the American retreat and about how Africa should not become the next Afghanistan and about the importance of Africa. And the I, I first of all, I thought the article was really well written. Um, I mean, Haig has had, Haig had a very interesting career. Um, some people seem as being more successful than others, but I certainly thought in this article, he really hit on a spot. And what, what fascinated me about it was that it really goes into the themes that you talk about in Long Walk to Nowhere and that you've been talking about on the podcast and, and your articles online and your posts. And it's really to do with the responsibility that the West has had had in Africa and where we're seeing, I think, a situation which in many ways is rather deplorable um, from the American exit and the, the Allied exit overall from Afghanistan and how there's so many lessons which should be learnt from that retreat and which should be applied to Africa because he goes into the article and I'll let you talk about it but about population growth the importance for the future of the world of Africa in general and about how we cannot afford to mismanage Africa in the way that Afghanistan and Iraq have been mismanaged over the last two decades. Yes um, I think you know, Afghanistan is, is, is really a catastrophe. I mean, we all, anyone with the heart will be really, really distressed to see what's going on there. And, you know, it's always the case when when Western 
powers move out, whether it was uh, colonial times when the colonialists moved out, or whether it's America fighting wars on behalf of other people and then deciding to suddenly move out. Vacuums are left, huge, vast vacuums. And these have to be filled by somebody. And usually it's, it's by a bunch of, you know, warring parties who don't agree with one another within the countries themselves. So, you know, one wonders what hope the, the poor people who live in these countries have in the future. Um, you know, t t take the, the latest G7 as an example, the meeting that, 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 that was held uh, in March this year, uh, you know, depressing this whole, the whole, Africa, this richly varied continent, merited only one paragraph in the interim national security guidance issued in March by the Biden administration. You know, uh, Africa is so important to the world. And it will become even more important, I think, than, than the Afghanistan crisis. Because according to the latest UN forecasts, half the growth, half the growth in the world's population over the next 30 years, that's not long, will take place in nine countries. And you know that only that five of those countries are African. Five. So... Uh, 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 the total expected increase in Africa is more than 1.1, not million, but billion. 1.1 billion. So over the next 30 years, this will equate to more than 100,000 additional people being born every single day. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, a, an incredible figure to try and get your head around you. And this vast new population, do you know that it will be as big as the whole of China is today? So by 2050, Africa will house over three times, three times the population of Europe. I mean, that's a staggering thing to think about. And Africa is mentioned in one paragraph in the G7 in March this year. And, and people are ignoring uh, Africa. I think I think you're right. I mean, if you look at the National Security um, Council reports for America, I mean, Nigeria alone by 2050 is predicted to have a larger population than the United States. Um, so it'll be colossal. And yet so little attention is is paid to, to Africa. And I think so little I mean, when you see how, how, how little foresight there has been in foreign policy in the Middle East and in Afghanistan and Iraq, which were countries where Western involvement dates back you know, thousands of years, technically, if you want to go back to Alexander the Great, but certainly in the 19th century in the Great Game, there was a lot of experience to be drawn on. And, you know, it's it's become legendary now how little the Bush and Blair administrations knew about the history of Western involvement. The Americans after 1945 were very heavily involved in Afghanistan. And yet I don't think anyone in Washington, certainly in the Bush era onwards, knew about that history. And neither did Tony Blair. It was very famous. Alistair Horne, the great... Um, British historian who wrote a, a savage war of peace about the French war in Algeria, um, wrote that when he interviewed Blair, Blair knew nothing about Britain's past involvement and also sort of poo-pooed and said, oh, it's not relevant to us, you know, we'll create a vibrant democracy. And I think if the West doesn't learn from the past and doesn't look at Africa in a new way, it will repeat the mistakes, the terrible 
costly mistakes. You know, we're, we're looking at footage from Afghanistan of people falling from American cargo planes as they're trying to get out of Kabul, you know, in the sky. It's just it's hor- horrific. It's what's horrific there. images. And, yeah, and it yeah. seems that not, if, if the West can't learn these lessons and apply them to Africa, then, then it seems like, you know, why, why should Africa look towards the West? Of course, yeah. you know, China... Well, you know, the, 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 the short-term fixes that the West try and facilitate, in no matter what continent you're looking at when they become involved, they're looking at a short-term fix. Let's get it fixed today and, you know, we'll worry about, we may not even worry about what happens tomorrow. Let somebody else sort that problem out. We'll just walk away from it. And, and my book, Long Walk to Nowhere, suggests that, that the Western academics and, and certain mainstream media who criticize Europe's role in Africa, mm-hmm. I'm going back to Africa now, prior to the 1960s when the winds of change, the famous winds of change, Macmillan said, you know, the winds of change are blowing and we need change in Africa for the better. Those winds of change didn't create liberation for anybody. And the winds of change that are happening in Afghanistan are not are, are similar winds. Of, they're evil winds. They're not winds of, of, of change for the positive things. They, they're just short-term fixes. And, and one, one really wonders what the agenda is really all about. And, and I think these, these academics and these, these mainstream media people, I suggest that, that they research these contemporary viewpoints more impartially. You know, it may assist them in, in ascertaining, for example, if China is the altruistic benefactor it purports to be in Africa, or is it simply Africa's new wind of change? Certain political analysts may also argue that China's developments are, um, I guess, exploiting Africa. But this question is debatable. And, and, they're only looking at, well, how can we solve that problem now? Are the Chinese doing something good or are they doing something bad now? But what of the future? What of the future? Who is thinking about the future? That's, that, that's the question we should be asking. Yes, and I think, I think also we're, we're at one of those really interesting times in the world where we know we have such serious problems to deal with, you know, whether it's climate change, overpopulation, um, a very unstable world, you know, climate change, you know, whether people believe it or not, if you're, if you're looking at rising sea levels at the moment, what that means in terms of refugees, what it means in terms of urban collapse uh, in cities which are built too close to the sea, there, there's an enormous amount of problems. And I think people, since 1945, I think a lot of the world has been reliant on America because it came out as the great victor of the war. But I think people are realizing today, in 2021, America is not only the only option left. And, you know, if you're an American living in America who doesn't know much about the world, you might still be able to hold on to this idea that America is the great single superpower that can solve everything. But I would argue that from an outside perspective, you know, you look at the world nowadays and you say, well, we have to get on with very, very important issues and we're not getting American leadership. On the contrary, we're seeing an America which can't even deal with basic problems at, in, domestically at home and which is failing in quite a few of its foreign policy endeavors. And so that means what are we going to do in the future? You know, if we don't want a Chinese authoritarian model, you know, will Europe be able to develop, you know, a counterpower? Um, and, you know, there, yeah. there, I think there are all sorts of questions like this which are fascinating, but which I think a lot of people are coming to realize now that we need a new 
set up for the world. We need a new way, and yeah, um, we need a new question. And like, you know, what the current main, what is the current mainstream perception of how the future world should be? You, you take, you know, Africa will play this hu- a huge part in the future, but look at Africa today, Patrick. It has no economy. It has no technology. It has no military power. And rightly or wrongly, its civilization or its way of life at this moment in time seemingly doesn't fit the current mainstream perception of how the the future world should be. So they say, okay, we must come in and first of all change the way Africa is today and then make it like us and then it'll go forward happily. But making it like us is not going to go forward happily because we're in a we're in a we're in a disastrous place right now. And it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens when towards the end of this, this century, you know that a pre- predicted 100 million Chinese immigrants will be living on, on the African continent then. And, and this could be alongside, together with, an African population that has, despite the voluminous population loss, brought about by, um, by diseases, by refugees and migration, the African population will be expanding their net population at a faster rate. So it's estimated that by the year uh, 2100, Nigeria, let's take Nigeria, Nigeria's biggest city is Lagos. And it will most likely be, do you know, it will be the largest city in the world by the by, by 2100, the largest city in the world. Mm. And even today, Lagos, I mean, Lagos could be considered to be a massive place today, but it's, det- it's a deteriorating place. So how will, it, how will it be able to support tens of, not thousands, tens of millions of people in years to come? Where will their food come from? What about their healthcare resources? Will China, will China invest in programs for this? I doubt it very much. Uh, you know, what about other developed nations? Will they be prepared to build future infrastructures in Africa that, that are needed to provide facilities for, for the bludgeoning African cities? I don't think so. It's a fantasy. And today, even the fact that, you know, investment in Africa today, it's a fantasy. It's a one-way trading procedure that does not benefit Africa. Much of the continent is corrupt with minimum rule of law, and so many of the African leaders grow rich whilst their people are forced to continue to join you know, the impoverished majority of our planet. So we can't even get our house in order today. What's going to happen? You know, despite all the wonderful technology that we have, what's going to happen? when all these people suddenly appear on, on the planet. Well, also, I think, you know, this is, this is really what it comes down to as well. What you were talking about is the new generation of leadership, which is so, so necessary. It's something that you see in your book as well, I think, uh, because of your examination of what happened to political rule in Zimbabwe in particular, but in Africa in general, and why you need a new generation, why I think you've been so enthusiastic about Bobby Wine, for example, because there will need to be independent leadership. You can't keep on looking at the solution from countries 
which are so mired in their own problems. I mean, you know, just to take America for an example, its healthcare outcomes at the moment rank beneath Slovenia in child mortality. It's 32 in the world, I think. And, you know, you have to try and aim higher, I think. Some people would say, you know, that's what Kagame has tried to do, for example, in Rwanda, where in some cases you have better hospitals than you can find in, in parts of America. And so a lot of leadership will have to come from inside these countries. It's going to be a big fight and it's going to be a changing world. And you're right, China will apply a lot of pressure financially and, and what will China want. But but we there will need to be a new generation, I think, of very forward-thinking, very strong politicians in what will yeah. become potentially the most important continent in the world. Yes, I, and I think what's happened recently in Zambia is most encouraging. You know, there, there, there where you, you've got the, the popular party actually got in and their, their support was so overwhelming that the, the, the incumbent was unable, I'm not suggesting that he, he was going to rig the uh, results, but even any thought of it, was impossible because support for the for the the new leaders who who are trying to 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 get rid of all the corruption and the the, the mayhem that exists in that part of of Africa won resoundingly. So um, I, I know the future of Africa will be one uh, very decisive factor, I think, in world affairs to come. Uh, it will be it'll be the region that determines. The future course of our of our planet, of our economics, of our politics, and I think it'll be even even more influential than than, than Central Asia. Uh, Africa will become, I think, the vital criterion that decides between building positive world governance or drowning the planet planet, you know, into civil conflict and terror. Uh, Africa will be the continent that determines whether the future world. We'll be using Chinese or American technology and ideals. Um, and, and, you know, we should now be looking, just as we should be looking at climate change, you know, now, because time's running out, so we should be looking at Africa and, and understanding that short-term fixes. My book is trying to explain this, and I've had so many people come back to me. It's been so positive hearing their remarks, and especially from the younger African people who are fed up to the back teeth with what's going on in Africa uh, and fed up with Western, the Western, you know, if I may call it verbal diarrhea that, that comes out of, you know, uh, out of some of the leaders, there, you know, it's all talk and no action. They want to see change, but they're, they're not, they're, they cannot do it themselves. And, and we, we as, as people, the 10% of people in the world who, who have the privilege of some kind of civilized life should be looking at this for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren because, you know, they're going to have one awful time trying to make this, this planet tick if we don't get the foundations right now. Yes, there's so, there's so much to be done. Um, well, listen, Alan, I think, as always, it's a fascinating conversation. I think it's something that, you know, your book talks about, you know, very much. It's, it's, it's a subject that fascinates you personally. And that really is so relevant to all of us. And, and I think is so little discussed in the mainstream media. It's actually, yes. it's fascinating how little discussion there is about. Yes, and, and no one can blame, uh, you know, they can't claim in the future that they didn't see the threat of the African phenomenon on the horizon. 
you know, if, if it's there, let's let's just look at it. It's there right now. It's maybe slightly camouflaged, but it's real and it's threatening. And we we all need to wake up. We wake up to that fact, as we should with the climate change. Yeah, well, it's I've... just as important, you know. I couldn't agree more. Well, Alan, listen, thank you so much for, for another fascinating discussion. And uh, I think we'll post the William Hague article as well as, as um, alongside the podcast. I, I think that's a like. very good idea. I think he made a lot of sense. He made a lot of sense. And I think, I think it's, it's yeah. really caused a lot of people to stop and think. Um, his and, article. And, and we must end on a positive note, you know, because I have great faith in human nature. And I can see and feel, and from my contacts in Africa, Huge, huge change, you know, on the horizon. But it needs help. It needs help. So that's the important thing to think about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, Alan, thank you once again uh, for a great podcast. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us again. And we will talk to you very, again very soon on another podcast. Crocodile, crocodile is biting off our Crocodile, crocodile, we fear him like the snake. Crocodile, he has it all, why does he crave to take?